0: Good afternoon, I'm Hal Cresta. O Wisdom, O Holy Word of God, O Sacred Lord and Leader, O Flower of Jesse's Stem, O King of David, O Royal Power, O Radiant Dawn, O King of all the Nations, O Emmanuel, those are what are called the O Antiphons, and they are short chants used during Vespers to help prepare us for the final days of Advent. They're deeply set in Scripture, in history, in tradition, and I thought it would be good to uh, talk with Gregory De Pippo, who's editor of the New Liturgical Movement, which you can follow at newliturgicalmovement.org, about the meaning of the O Antiphons, about their origin, about their place in uh, our tradition. And Gregory, good to have you with me. Thanks.
1: Thank you for um, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Let's talk about the origin of the O Antiphons to begin. Where do they come from?
1: Well, they are creation of the Roman liturgy, um, and, and like many of the very ancient Roman things, we don't know precisely. We don't know who their actual author is. Mm-hmm. Um, they are tested in a series of books that uh, have the the text of the Roman liturgy in them going back into the ninth century. They are certainly older than that. Um, traditionally, the corpus of, of uh, office chants was created by or at least set in, into um, so its current order. By Pope Gregory the great um but um it's uh so let's say we, the best we can say is that they're they're very very ancient they do certainly come from Rome, okay, but we can't really say any anything more specific than that
0: okay so they're there in the very uh, early on in the tradition of yes. late late middle age or uh, early middle ages uh, what um uh, in, in in what way do they function as antiphons?
1: So traditionally, they are sung with the uh, magnificat
0: on gotcha. okay. uh,
1: vespers from December seventeenth until the twenty third and so uh so there's seven of them all together uh this is actually a, a tradition that was in some places in the middle ages uh further developed and other antiphons were were added to the series that all begin with o but the classic Roman tradition is seven
0: mm-hmm. so, And uh, these are, and they're sung, what, normally during, uh, in monasteries, convents? I mean, do you ever see them in parishes?
1: Well, um, let's say in the age in which they were created, and for many, many centuries afterwards, uh, sung vespers was done in every cathedral and every monastery and every religious house, really. Um, And so... Um, In modern times, for a variety of reasons, the the sung uh, divine office has become rare and rarer. There's a reason why they couldn't be done in a parish. Um, I've also seen them used, although this is kind of not really a a proper custom, but I've actually seen the text of them used as the Alleluia at Mass,
0: for example. Oh, that's interesting, yeah.
1: But um, I, I think that that's sort of an unofficial... Uh, I don't want to say abuse, but it's probably not official. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um
0: let's let's uh, go over the meaning of them, uh because uh these things always go deeper than their service impression. Let's let's begin with O sapiencia uh oh wisdom. Yes. Take so, us into that.
1: Sure. The um I'm sorry I'm sorry to interrupt you. The um yeah, the um, original. So, so, the way they are arranged, they actually make a. Um, uh, an, uh, when you read them backwards, the first letters make an acrostic, huh. the Latin an anagram uh, of the Latin word Aero cross," which means "tomorrow I shall be." And so, but they also have a a, a, a sort of a kind of catechesis going forward. So the first one, "osapiensia," is uh, refers to the the preexistence. Of the Word, capital W, as in, you know, the Word was with God. Um, we, you know, St. Paul, for example, refers to Christ as the Wisdom of God in the First Epistle right. of the Corinthians. Um, the Church Fathers often refer to this as well. Um, and the Antiphon itself discusses, says how, you know, um, that he, uh, the, the, the Wisdom mightily and sweetly orders all things. Um, this is a quotation from the first, from uh, the uh, eighth chapter of the Book of Wisdom. Um, in which the, the the book says that the uh, wisdom is the worker of all things, holy one, having all power, overseeing all things, etc. And so, um, so this this first one Sapienza, refers to that the, the the eternal preexistence of the Word, which yeah. is the Son, with uh, with God the Father.
0: Yeah, it's in the eighth chapter of Proverbs, like the eighth chapter of uh, the book of Wisdom, both focus on wisdom, uh, it Indeed, also. yeah. Indeed. Yeah, that's yes, interesting. Yes, so, yes. So, and this
1: was a passage which was used by the Church Fathers, both both uh, Proverbs 8 was used by the Church Fathers in defense of the idea that the Son is eternally preexistent right. and not created by that's the Father. Right,
0: that's right, that's right. Um, so this is the, the first antiphon, O wisdom, O holy word of God, O sapientia, O wisdom, you come forth from the mouth of the Most High, you fill the universe and hold all things together in a strong and gentle manner O come to teach us the way of truth, again uh, beautiful. Let's uh, go to the second antiphon. Uh, o sacred Lord and leader, um, the word "Lord" there. Uh, is, do we use? Uh, we don't use Yahweh. We use what? Adonai.
1: Yes, in the Latin version, it's replaced with Adonai, which the um, the Latins probably didn't even understand. Didn't really sort of know. That Yahweh was a thing yeah. um, in yeah. the Middle Ages when <laughs> okay. these were composed, and so. But the word Adonai actually appears as, written out that way in the Bible, very, very rare, in the Latin Bible, very, very rarely. And so, um, in that particular case, the connection is made via a um, uh, the, the 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 words when it says um, he's the leader of the house of Israel who appeared to Moses. In the uh, in the fire of the burning bush, ah. and gave him to uh, gave him the law on Mount Sinai. But then it says, "Come to redeem us with thy arm outstretched." Yes, yes. And this is a reference to uh, God's words when speaking to Moses when he says, "I am the Lord who will bring you out from the work prison of the Egyptians." Okay and redeem you with a high arm, with an outstretched arm, and also in the canticle of Moses. So this, this second antiphon is particularly about uh, Christ's appearances in the Old Testament to Moses. Okay. And, and his, his, the, the foreknowledge of the existence of Christ, the existence of the Word, the existence of the Son, in, uh, as revealed in the Torah.
0: So the the first antiphon, O oh, Wisdom, O oh, Holy Word of God, really talks about His preexistence and, uh, again, holding all things together. The second antiphon uh, kind of advances it forward, uh, where you have Him uh, appearing to Moses. As a, now He's He's uh, appearing in space and in time to Moses at the burning bush. Um, so you go from His preexistence to His revelation uh, to Moses. The third antiphon, um, O Flower of Jesse's Stem, uh, that, uh, that certainly has uh, reference to the later prophets. Go ahead and, and flesh that out for us.
1: Yeah, that's, this is a quotation. This contains uh, quotations from two different parts of uh, the prophet Isaiah, chapters 11 and 52. And um, these are both cited by St. Paul in Romans 15, um, the citations are a little different, and so but um, the, um, the, the the pairing of these two together, one is quoting quoting from the law, the other from the prophets, is intended to show how the, both the law and the prophets bear witness yep. to the coming of Christ um, exactly as you know at when Christ revealed himself uh, in his glory at the Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah, one representing the law, the other representing the prophets, right?
0: Jude right. Side of him. Yeah, yeah. Now the fourth antiphon is O King of David, O royal power. So again, it seems as though we're moving through salvation history. We have the pre-existence uh, of of Christ. Then we have, of course, the revelation at the burning bush and the Exodus and the giving of the law. Uh, and then we have uh, the uh, uh, the Prophet Isaiah. Uh, now we have a reference to David and the monarchy and the promise, the covenantal promise. I suppose that uh, that there'll always be a king seated on that throne. Is that what we're looking at here?
1: Yes, exactly. So, and at that point, um, what you do is kind of um, into the whole season of Advent. is about the incarnation. Yeah. Um, and since you don't want to you know, sort of spoil the surprise, as it were, yeah. <laughs> speaking too explicitly about the arrival of Christ, so what the, uh, the key of David refers to is the idea that this eternal the, 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 the wisdom that is finally revealed in the fullness of time comes from the house of David. As you know, the angel said to the Virgin Mary at the time of the Immuncation, will be on the house of David. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then also, um, what is very important is he refers to um, you who open and no one closes, you close and no one opens. Come and lead out the prisoner from the house of the prison. He yes. citizen in darkness and the shadow of death. This refers to the prisoner. There is Adam, um, and by extension, all of the just who are uh, in you know, the limbo of the fathers, as it's called, waiting for heaven to be opened up by the death and resurrection of Christ.
0: Interesting. So, he holds the um, keys and of death the in the 80s. How... Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that there are actually a lot of pictures of Christ going to the limbo of the fathers, in which you see um, that he'll uh, be holding a cross that looks like a key,
0: Huh okay, in
1: some way, and very often you see the the gates and bars very often the Byzantine icons particularly you see the gates and bars of uh of of, of hell or the window of the fathers being broken apart um and and sort of in the background uh, work and so and that's so this, this, that that antiphon represents the idea that from Adam until the time of Christ, all of the just who longing for his coming yes,
0: okay. I'm talking over the O Antiphons uh, with Gregory Pippo. He is, uh, a, a, again, editor of New Liturgical Movement, and uh, we're looking at the catechetical value of the O Antiphons as it uh, lays out uh, salvation history for us. The fifth antiphon is O Radiant Dawn. Um, O Orient, O rising sun, you are the splendor of eternal light and son of righteousness. O come and enlighten those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Um, this is a reference uh, to the prophet Malachi?
1: It is that. It is also um, in the, uh, the, the in Latin the word, um, Oriens also appears in the prophet Zechariah. Okay. So there is, uh, and of course, you know, when, when, when these people, you know, for the people who compose these, they're always, you know, for them, the first reference is to the Latin text as they know it. Yes. So probably for that one, it's more uh, Zechariah uh, gotcha. 6, in the Latin, Behold the Man, the Orient is his name.
0: Interesting. So, okay. Um,
1: yeah. But it's also interesting, particularly that one, um, that it is the shortest of the seven antiphons. It is said on December 21st, which is the day of the winter solstice. is the day with the shortest, uh, the day with the shortest hours of daylight. Okay. This, of course, refers also to the um, Resurrection, which is um, what 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 makes uh, the fruits of Christ's passion available to the human race, being the Resurrection of Christ.
0: Well, we we got five of the seven in, <laughs> uh, and we won't spoil the ending. So I want to thank you, Gregory, for being with me today, and uh, we'll talk again. Oh,
1: my pleasure. Thank you very kindly.